You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 14th of April. What did we learn last night about the younger members of the Utah Jazz? How does Lou Dort slip through and what's going on in the rest of the NBA on a Quinn Snyder Wednesday? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. We are here for you each and every day, bringing you Locked on Jazz, except for tomorrow. Pending some major news or something crazy happening, we will not have a uh, Locked on Jazz tomorrow. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Can you say George Diang? Gotta be, right? Wasn't that awesome last night? See George have a night like that? Jazz roll last night over the shorthanded Oklahoma City Thunder team. It's interesting what they're doing. They so they've just grabbed a bunch of guys, some of which are, for, I mean, they're just in complete rebuild. And most of these guys you'll never see again. But uh, it's interesting, like they've got these all these long athletic guys who at one point in time were five-star recruits. Like Moses Brown played with Cole Anthony in New York. They were like the hottest thing in the world. Moses Brown goes to UCLA for a year. It doesn't really work out. And so now... You know, he's unique and he's got this crazy body. His waist size, you know, his waist seems to be like four inches higher than Rudy's. And now, you know, you're trying to find out whether or not they can somehow turn into some sort of NBA player. A 19-year-old point guard they drafted in the first round that they're throwing to the Wolves. We'll see if he survives it. Might have overdipped their Oreo cookie, but time will tell. But it's interesting. I mean, not really that interesting. I guess they're terrible. And they're trying to be terrible. And we won by 10 and fell behind by 17 and then worked our way back through it. Uh, last night, there's there's not a huge takeaway to last night's game. In fact, what happened around the rest of the league is probably a bigger deal to the Jazz. So let's touch on that to start, and then we'll get back to Jarrell Brantley. What happened around the rest of the league last night, the the Clippers just keep winning. They, they look fabulous. They, they win by 11 last night over the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Paul George is, had a foot injury that kind of set up his yet another excuse for the offseason of why he didn't play well, and then has exploded. So it clearly after his whole thing about, oh, it still hurts and it's going to hurt every day and it's going to hurt throughout the offseason, it doesn't seem to be bothering him uh, that much. They crushed Indiana, who we'll see next. We'll get two days off before we see Indiana. Um, and, and Indiana shouldn't be terrible, but the Clippers are just amazing. Uh, I don't love their point guard situation. The fact that they're splitting 48 minutes between Reggie Jackson and Rajon Rondo, and the two of them went one of 10. Um, I liked it a lot more earlier this year when they were playing Nicholas Batum as their point guard, and they've clearly pivoted off of that. Uh, but they, they're rolling. So the Clippers are now sitting. I don't think they can catch us, but they're only three and a half games behind us. They've won six in a row. They might be able to catch Phoenix. More importantly, they've just completely separated themselves from the Nuggets and the Lakers. So one, two, and three are now set. 
The six-game Clipper win streak, like one, two, and three are set. It's the Jazz, the Suns, and the Clippers. It does begin to feel like after the Jamal Murray injury yesterday that some of the excitement around this standings and how it's all going to break down and what's going to happen is 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 going by the wayside. It's getting it's getting almost like everyone's slotting into their spots here. Uh, and particularly after last night, it's kind of why I'm leading the show today. Like weird that the sh- our lead where I think a lot of you want to talk about Jarrell Brantley. My lead is what happened in the rest of the league was far more important than anything that happened last night for the jazz. The second one is that the Lakers stunningly won again. The Lakers playing talent hooker Horton Tucker, who we'll talk about actually later in the show. Kyle Kuzma, Andre Drummond, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Dennis Schroeder with kind of a bunch of Ben McLemore, Alex Crusoe, Montrezl Harrell, Wesley Matthews were able to go to Charlotte and win. Now, Charlotte's without Hayward and without Lonzo uh, Lamelo Ball, and so they're not as good. And even Terry Rozier, I don't think, played last night. And so they, you know, they found a way, and, and poor Charlotte even had a guy who played last night who just has the NBA logo instead of a photo in his box score on NBA.com. Like, that's that's when you're getting thin, and the Lakers are just deep enough and built well enough, and Frank Vogel's got them playing incredible defense that they won again. So couple that, as I said, with the things that happened last night seemed far more important off the court with the fact that the Portland Trailblazers could not come back to win last night and lost it 116-115 to 115 at home. Boston getting another good win. They look a lot better all of a sudden. And dis- despite having Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell, um, CJ and Norman Powell combined for 34 shots last night without a free throw attempt. The And Carmelo gave him 25 last night, but was still minus 7. And Cantor gave him... 9 and 10 off the bench and was minus 18. They were plus 19 with Nurkic on the floor, minus 18 with Canner on the floor last night. Woo! It's why they're a, why Portland though if Nurkic can get up to 30 34 minutes a night becomes a real force in the playoffs. But the impact on us is this I think is really now eliminating any chance of the Lakers falling out of 4-5. Like that is suddenly two games in a loss column, two and a half games overall. Now, Lakers have two really interesting sequences coming up. They play us on back-to-back games, and then they go and play the Mavericks on back-to-back games. I, I, I guess there is a chance, and they play the Celtics next who are playing well. There's a chance the Lakers could lose their next five and swing this conversation pretty dramatically. But what they've done in their past three is really important. Like, the Lakers, to their credit, have snuck in a win at Toronto. Frankly, a win at Sacramento, a win at Toronto, a win at Brooklyn, a win at Charlotte. Because their next five they could lose. Thursday against Boston, two against Utah, two against Dallas. But then they get their guys back. And in all expectation, they get AD and LeBron back with not many games on their schedule that are losable. Right after that stretch, Orlando, Washington, probably get the guys back right around here. Sacramento, Toronto, Denver, Clippers, okay, Portland in a big one, then Phoenix. So that's a little sequence right there. LA, Portland, Phoenix, they might be at full strength. New York, Houston, Indiana, New Orleans to close. So I just don't think we're going to see them. I mean, it's possible, but 
it, it's seeming less and less likely that you're going to see the Lakers fall out of five. That's what's happened over the last two days. That's And so here the Jazz are, like it's happening, which is battling for the number one seed, doing everything you can for the number one seed. I still believe the number one seed is really important, just the way the schedule breaks out and all sorts of things this year. And the Lakers seem most likely your second-round opponent, particularly with the injury that's taking place. The Lakers are now, according to basketball reference, 76% chance of being a 4-5 or five seed. And Denver's really kind of into that spot. And the Jamal Murray injury just is tragic. He's probably out for a whole year. So then we get into kind of 6-7, which doesn't really impact us, but gets interesting, which is Portland and Dallas. As Portland just is is not, you know, running away with that. And Dallas has actually now got a higher win prop chances, according to basketball reference, to being the six seed, Portland being the seven. And this is why, frankly, you've just got to get that one seed. And we're still at a 90% chance every time we win a game like last night. It really moves the meter. Um, and we'll see what happens from there. But you could, you're going to end up in the eight seed, in all likelihood, getting Steph or or Zion. what a crazy situation in the Western Conference playoffs. So I did, I wanted to lead today because I just thought actually as I was was calling the game last night, you know, what was taking place around the rest of the league was was a bigger deal for us last night. The Clippers have just separated themselves from Denver and L.A. and the 1, 2, and 3 are set. L.A. with just another good win in Charlotte last night, just where if they were going to fall apart, they would have lost these games. They haven't. Suddenly 4 or 5 have separated themselves from everyone else. Portland losing last night, just kind of that. And then, by the way, Phoenix is just not blinking at all. Super impressive win by Phoenix last night. They they trail early, they take the lead late in the third, and then they just blow Miami out in the fourth. When they are total, if if you believe we're legit, you have to believe they're totally legit. And they, Devin Booker and Chris Paul last night were 6 of 23, 2 of 11, and they still found a way to win. If that's our team, our narrative is about the defense and how we can find different ways to win. Give them credit. They are 39 and 15 now on the season. Just a game and a half back. Now, they dictate, in my opinion, kind of whether or not we have a race for the number one seed because they have a stretch of games coming up. And if, and frankly, if they own it, then they deserve probably the number one seed. They, they've only lost one game since March 24th. They are on a different place right now. So they'll play Sacramento and San Antonio at home coming up here this week. Probably take both those, continue this stretch. And then here's their stretch that determines whether Phoenix is, is going to make a run for the one seed. At Milwaukee, at Philly, back-to-back at Boston, two days off at Brooklyn, back-to-back at New York, home against the Lakers, home against the Jazz. If they're still in the race after that seven-game stretch, they might not have a loss on their schedule after that. So if we if they get to May 1 and Phoenix is still in contention, they will not lose. I, I don't think they'll lose any of their final eight games, or they shouldn't. So it will be interesting to see how they come out, and they have the tiebreaker against us. And then we'll start playing a weird game. But I'll tell you what. I wouldn't rather play the Clippers in the second round than the Lakers. I think the Clippers are the best team in the West. I've thought that all season long. 
and and quite honestly, I thought Denver was the second best team in the West. I mean, I'm taking us out of the equation, but I do think both those teams are are frankly were equipped a little bit for playoff basketball in a way that we haven't proven to be yet. We might be ready for it. We just haven't proven it yet. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. Steve Carter is just the best. It happened again. This is just like, it's almost Groundhog's Day. I, maybe I shouldn't be as amazed by it every time it happens. Um, but it's so cool. Steve Carter is our loan officer at Intercap Lending. Intercap Lending is a company that's been 40 years in the business. Josh Romney moved it to Utah. Brock Worthen has been uh, running it. And they just do amazing community efforts, whether it's their backpack campaigns or all these other items. So that in that sense, they're just a great company to be involved with. And then Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer. And here it is. Hi, David. After hearing so many good things on your show, I finally decided to reach out to Steve Carter at Intercap. I can't think of any other business I've dealt with that has been so responsive. Steve immediately got me some numbers to start looking at. And when we decided to move forward, it was more painless than I ever expected a mortgage to be. We ended up saving a significant amount of money on monthly payments. The whole process only took about three weeks because I live outside of Utah. They sent a notary to my home to finalize the paperwork so I didn't need to travel anywhere. I would highly recommend Steve and the folks at Intercap. Thanks for not only bringing your listeners enjoyable basketball analysis, but connecting us with businesses that we might not otherwise know about. That's from Joel. I'm... I'm telling you, this is it all the time. It's amazing. Call Steve Carter, 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Steve Carter, our own personal loan officer, over to Intercap, 385-800-8528. Call Steve Carter. Today. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Is it, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Do good things happen to our Michelob Ultra player of the week, George Niang, because he's just the best guy around? Or is he the best guy around because he wins? I don't know. But George Niang is the kind of guy who, frankly, the joy he brings to everyone, the happiness he brings to the group and the enjoyment he has playing the game, I think has led to his success because it allows him to work on his craft and become better at what he's doing. And now he has a monster game like he did last night, Phil getting a start, getting 18 points, 10 rebounds, three assists last night, uh, hitting six three-pointers last night for the Jazz in 13 attempts. George Niang is our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Michelob Ultra. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Locked on today is your daily podcast on all things sports that are going on in the sports world. Grab it with Peter Bukowski, your host. Running through the local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Today. Subscribe today. Also up on iTunes, football fans, the ultimate Mock Draft Podcast is up. We're doing it with Odyssey this year. If you haven't added the Odyssey app yet, uh, great app that's out there. Uh, has all the sports radio stations across the country on it. All sorts of other uh, great kind of fun things that are u- unique to Odyssey. Uh, 
the ultimate mock draft. Go subscribe, follow it. It's our NFL mock draft that's coming up. Locked on NFL draft is amazing as well. But we're doing it in cahoots with cahoots, uh, with Odyssey uh, and bringing uh, Odyssey experts, Brian Baldinger, uh, Michael Irvin, Mike Lombardi, huge names into the show uh, as well. So a lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, check it out. It is called the ultimate mock let me make sure I do the search. Ultimate Mock Draft, you'll find it. And subscribe now on iTunes or follow on iTunes now, I guess, or any of the local podcasts uh, or podcast app you have. All right, let's, uh, let's get to last night. The, really, the story last night, Ron Boone said it well as we opened the broadcast. He wants to see, you know, which guys with extended time against, you know, honestly, non-NBA, non-NBA rotation players proved to be better than them. So George Niang was terrific last night. And I think we know that. I mean, he's really bona fide NBA rotation player. Speed of the playoffs might be hard for him. We'll see. He's got to prove that. Um, But I I don't know why he wouldn't. He's been great. And then, you know, the other who else looked good last night, frankly, was Jarrell Brantley. And Jarrell Brantley's really interesting. I I have moved from, if I'm being 100% honest, wildly intrigued by Jarrell Brantley in the offseason to a little bit more of like, wait a sec, how does any of it actually work? Okay? So in the offseason, I found myself like wildly intrigued by Jarrell Brantley. 6'5", 250, actually has playmaking skills, big, strong, physical dude. We don't have any real elite-level bodies like that. And I found myself like really intrigued. I actually think he could play with the ball in his hands. He could be like a mini Draymond, Julius Randle type. Not, but he doesn't have the offensive game like that. I, mean, I know he scored a lot at College of Charleston, 18 a game. But if you actually watch him, uh, my favorite play last night actually is he drove to the basket on the left side and he went all the way to the rim and finished. So often I see Jarrell driving to the basket and kind of looking to distribute first, which tells you kind of where his mindset is that he... But he's not a, he's I, I keep hearing people talk about him as like this amazing athlete, and maybe I'm wrong, but like I haven't seen like wild explosiveness out of him or incredible speed. What I've seen is is a, a just incredibly powerful body at 250 and his ability, you know, some agility inside of that, but I don't see him as like explosion. I could be we haven't seen a lot of him. Let's be honest. I got 154 minutes of sample size of his career at this point. There's a chance I could be could be way off. What they did last night with him was interesting. He basically played the two guard. And, you know, I don't know that I'm ready to this. I'm kind of so my point is I've kind of now swinging back after last night, back to my intrigue element on him because I'm not sure I'm ready to go here. But. You know, we don't have anyone physically who can match up to all the massive wings that we're going to see in the playoffs. Now, he's got to make his threes, and, you know, he's a 29% career three-point shooter in, again, 26 games. In a, so we don't even know what he is. Like, that's not even a fair number to throw out there, frankly. His career number at College of Charleston was 35%, 33 a senior year when he took his highest volume of 116. But... Uh, it's intriguing again. I don't entirely know how like his skill set fits in the NBA and he's 24 so it's not like he's 19. And it was interesting last night cuz Lou Dort has got like this similar awesome body 
and like uniqueness to him is having this monster game. And the frankly, the worst thing that's happening to Jarrell Brantley is the fact that Jarrell Brantley's on this really, really good team. He's played 154 games. And if he was signed by Oklahoma City tomorrow, he would do that in five games, maybe six. Right, He would play six games and have played as many NBA minutes as he's played in two years for us. So it's really hard to tell, and I'm totally talking in circles, and if you're like, he really hasn't said anything, you're kind of right. Because last, so if I try to sum this up without saying anything, is like I'm intrigued again, and I almost wonder if like in the final 16, 17 games, do we just try to lessen the burden on Royce O'Neal and go to a 10-man rotation and play Jarrell Brantley for... 10 to 15 minutes a night and let him try to defend wings and see what he can do. I'm I'm not entirely sure. My other point is it was such a limited sample size. This is why you got this kind of me like straddling the fence and not really saying anything. My instinct is that we're typecasting him because of his 6'5", 250-pound frame as one thing, and I'm not sure that that's actually what he is. Like, there's a fierce force to Lou Dort that I haven't seen out of Jarrell Brantley. There's a, like, nastiness owning the space out of Lou Dort that I haven't seen out of Jarrell Brantley. Maybe it's there. The guy's the nicest kid imaginable. His interview after the game yesterday was unbelievable. Um, and we'll we'll see. Um, you know, Lou Dort came out of Montreal and um, was actually a little bit of a recruit, like, you know, like, without getting into it too much. I mean, he ends up going to ASU and, and you have was like a seven. He was like in the, in the like 75th in his recruiting class. Like he was not a nothing. Um, Jarrell Brantley. I I don't think Jarrell Brantley was actually particularly recruited. So, I mean, there's just a little bit of a different, maybe skill set on these two, maybe not, Uh, but it does feel that way. So anyway, I thought, Hey, it's interesting. Um, I thought Jarrell was really, really good last night, which is my point. I thought he was intriguing. I thought the way the Jazz used him as the two last night was interesting. Um, That he kind of was guarding, and he was guarding Lou Dort, and he did a really good job, and he made two threes last night, so he looked amazing. Um, And he does play with the ball in his hands very well, so under pressure, if you played him with Donovan or Mike and you had to deal with someone, he's dealing with someone, he actually can can move the ball. He's not, he's got pretty good skills there. Um, And... You know, I don't think he can create his own offense. But we don't really need that yet. There was a great line to me by Bart Taylor, who's the GM of the Salt Lake Stars, won G League uh, GM of the year a year ago. He made the comment to me on, on all these young guys that the key for them is figuring out how to, to narrow focus their game. You know, what is the narrow focus that they're going to be able to be? So I think, you know, in the case of, of Brantley, maybe the, it's a defender, it's a ball mover. It's a knockdown open shooter. I mean, like if he's playing Royce's minutes, Royce gets the most open looks of anyone in the NBA. Like, can he make those shots? Um, it's that play I loved last night was he read the floor perfectly, slashed to the middle, caught it, was able to finish it. Like, that's the kind of stuff, but probably going to create for himself, not where you need him to be. Lou Dort was really great last night. Um, and it's an interesting conversation about, like, how does he slip through? And we're certainly over the top of the moon after he drops 42 last night. He is still shooting 39% and 32% in his career. Uh, and so, you know, frankly, if 
Jarrell Brantley was getting 29 minutes a night. I don't know that he's scoring 42, but he might be averaging 13 points at Oklahoma City and four points in a assist. What's interesting about that 2019 draft is like, I'm on, like, you're wondering, and you do watch Lou Dort and wonder, like, how does he slip through? He was Pac 12 player, of the rookie, uh, freshman of the year, and he was a decent sized recruit. Well, he's 6'3, 215, and he can't shoot. Like, that's a pretty, now he shot last night, but generally he's, six, he's shooting 32% for his career from three. He's 6'3, 215, and like, he can't really shoot, and he didn't really have a handle when he came out. To his credit, he's developed a lot of it. The other thing that's really interesting is certainly there are a bunch of guys in that draft. Sacramento drafted one who's not played in the league, and the Clippers drafted uh, a kid, Jalen Hands, who um, has not played in who has you know not played in the league yet. Um, and there's uh, Mich- uh, Sacramento. I mean, maybe this is the key thing. Sacramento's involved. They drafted a kid who's played you know 68 minutes, and Dallas drafted a kid who's played 26 minutes, and the Warriors took a run on a kid who's drafted like 165 minutes. But the fact is that that second round of that draft is really good. Nick Claxton, Casey Akpala, who I, I actually think is a is a pretty nice player. He's in Miami right now playing, you know, 12 minutes a night and actually I think is going to be able to play. Carson Edwards, who's in Boston. Bruno Fernando, who's in Atlanta, not playing a lot. We'll see on him. But Cody Martin in Charlotte, who started, I think, last night. One of the Martins did. Daniel Gafford, who we just saw earlier. Um, it's a pretty nice player. Eric Paschel for the Warriors, a nice player. I really loved Admiral Schofield. Um, came out of the draft out of Tennessee. He has not found a way back in the league this year after being in Washington last year. Um, Bull Bull, Isaiah Robbie, Roby, who we saw last night. Talon Horton Tucker's in that second round, who I said we talked about earlier. He's played a thousand minutes. He's a 44% shooter. You know, he slipped in the draft because he can't really shoot. He was shooting 28% from three. Terrence Mann's played the most minutes, I think, of almost anyone in that, starting for the Clippers a bunch of the time. So, you know, Jarrell Brantley's in that draft. Jalen McDaniels, who's now in Charlotte, getting a ton, or getting a ton of time. Um, you know, certainly, you know, Mia Oni's in that draft. Like, there's some picks here late where it is a little surprising that someone didn't make a run on Lou Dort. And maybe Lou Dort's agent at that point was like, you know what, we don't want to be drafted. And he's turned out to be a nice player. It is also very advantageous for these guys to play on a terrible team where they get 30 minutes a night, I guess is a little bit of of my point. Um, but what happens on those drafts is that you're talking about all the things he can't do, right? So Lou Dort, you look at him and you're like, okay, he's 6'3", 215. What position is he? You don't have any idea. He can't shoot. Okay, I, that makes it worry. He can't really handle. Okay, he's not really a ball mover. Like, you look at all the things he can't do and then very similar like a Paul Millsap who couldn't do all these things. He suddenly works his way into the league and Lou Dort's now getting an opportunity in time and we'll see whether he ever learns how to shoot better. I mean, frankly, if on a good team, if he doesn't shoot better, you know, like I, my, I'm watching him last night. Like he's the piece we have to have. Yeah, except for the fact that if we had him on the floor in the playoffs, no one's guarding him. Like he's shooting 32 percent from three for his career. I know he had 40 last night, but you know, like you, you put like he does. He feels like the absolute piece of our puzzle. It's why everyone's intrigued by Jarrell Brantley is because he's absolutely you think he's the piece of our puzzle that we're missing. It's that we don't have a physical wing defender other than Royce, and Royce is worn down, and you get all excited, and I do too, about Ludor, and then the reality is, like, and he had some fun playoff moments, he shot 26% in the playoffs last year. Like, he's not going to be guarded. So, you know what? The NBA GMs are actually really good. Now, sure, should Ludor have probably been drafted somewhere in the second round? Yeah. 
Was it like a massive miss? Eh, let's see. Like, he's pretty, he's pretty cool. Like, he defends the heck out of Donovan. He guards Donovan better than anyone in the league. He does a lot of great things. But kind of the same thing with Jarrell Brantley. Like, let's see. Like, Jarrell Brantley might actually turn out to be, you know, a more well-rounded, deeper player in some ways if he ever got the opportunity that Lou Dort's getting. That's my point. Uh, Quinn Snyder Wednesday coming up. Today's show is brought to you by our show Locked On Today and betonline.ag. Oh, gosh, look at the Nuggets odds. It's just brutal after what happened to Jamal Murray. But uh, that's the unfortunate reality. The Jazz are fourth on the championship betting odds. Brooklyn's at plus 225. Lakers are at plus 325. Clippers are at 550. And Brooklyn's at, and the Jazz are now at 750, higher than the Bucks. And the 76ers and the Nuggets have dropped from about, I think, plus 1,200 to plus 2,500. That is, uh, and the conference, I think the Nuggets were at 800 uh, the other day. The Nuggets have now slipped all the way to 1,200. Uh, Lakers at 190, Clippers at 280, Jazz at three plus 350 with Phoenix being dismissed at plus 650. That's all at betonline.ag. Feel free to jump aboard and... Uh, get in on the action at easiest way. Great site for you. And uh, with the promo code of locked on, you get 50% welcome bonus tonight. Milwaukee's a nine point favorite over Minnesota. Brooklyn or Philadelphia is a seven point favorite over Brooklyn in games that kind of matter to us. The Clippers are an eight and a half point favorite over Detroit. The Warriors are an 11 point favorite over Oklahoma city playing on a back end of a back to back Dallas and is a two-point favorite over Memphis. And the Denver Nuggets are a four-point favorite against Miami, who won last night in Portland. It's all betonline.ag, 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. And the best-tasting protein bar in the market, which I'm about to eat in a second, is Built Bar and Little Pieces of Heaven are available to you today. That is the cookie dough chunk order now while supplies last i am telling jump on right now get on and order now because they they're they're not gonna last they never do like they're so popular they just go out the door almost immediately you can bundle and boost get your built bar boost and your bites together uh on the cookie dough crunch though was one of our our tournament finalists and they are back and available have not been available for a while so Cookie dough chunk is available for you right now. Uh, Go grab a whole order uh, and get your cookie dough chunks. I'm kind of like, I'm stuttering because I'm actually ordering them as we speak because they go so fast. I wanted to make sure uh, that I got some. So go right now to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off and get the cookie dough chunk, but don't do it before I finish. Well, I've actually finished already. I've ordered Ultimate Mock Draft available. Go subscribe on iTunes and be ready for the NFL Ultimate Mock Draft when it comes across. Where will Zach Wilson go in the Locked On Ultimate Mock Draft in conjunction with Odyssey? What will Mike Lombardi, Michael Irving, and Brian Baldinger and all the rest, Leroy Butler and the great experts from Odyssey, have to say about it? All right, uh, Quinn Snyder Wednesday. By the way, Rudy was totally dominant last night. I wanted to just pull this out before... um, We go too far. Uh, I asked Quinn just kind of about Royce O'Neal. That's where we'll lead it off uh, this week. Uh, 
play, got a night off. Uh, we had a fun little conversation about that. I'll share. Um, and one or two other things from Quinn this week as well. Rudy Gobert defensive rating last night, an 88.6. In the third quarter last night, the g- defensive rating with George Niang on the floor in his five minutes was a 25. The defensive rating with Rudy on the floor was a 50. A 50. We just about Rudy just about threw a shutout last night. Mike Conley had a 52 because he matches minutes with the great Rudy Gobert. It was actually almost looked unfair to watch Rudy play against these guys uh, last night. The Jazz did did not have a great first quarter and then dug in a little bit. Rudy's defensive rating in the second quarter was 100 in his eight minutes. Derek Favors in his three minutes was a 75. That group actually changed the game. All right, uh, Quinn Snyder. Wednesday, we always try to take the highlights from the coaches' show during the week. Uh, here are some comments he made last night about what Royce O'Neal's given the team. Every night, he's he brings it, and as you said, he's got the toughest assignment. Um, there's games where you know he may not get more than a couple shots, and you know that has a has a way of wearing you down. Um, and as you know, he's you know we're going to rest him tonight. I think it's something that. Um, is appropriate, um, regardless, you know, of the situation or the, you know, it's just where we are in the season and we got to have some other guys step up and fill that role. Did the guy who had to tell him that, like tell him and run the other direction really fast so that he couldn't debate with him or. Uh, I told him, so <laughs> I didn't have to run, but you know, I was ready for a dirty look. And okay. so I think, he, I think he, he understands what, you know, what we're thinking. Also this week, Derek Favors moved into the top 10 scoring in franchise history. He was ecstatic about it, so I talked with Quinn about what Derek has brought to the Jazz this season. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, the, you know, it's representative of, you know, Derek over time um, being reliable. You know, I, I, he battled some knee uh, issues early in his career and really worked where he's in, you know, he's kept himself in great shape where, you know, he's played for a while and uh, he's played for longer um, here than, than anyone else, maybe. Um, so, you know, his demeanor is such that there's a positivity about him, um, particularly when, you know, his role fluctuates at various times. There, there's times when we'll, you know, play Rudy the majority of the fourth quarter and, and maybe Faye will come back in for a couple minutes is all. Um, that's that's not always easy on on frankly on you know a player's ego no matter how selfless they are you know his ability to absorb that and to maintain kind of a focus on the team I, I think you know says a lot about him and it's also you know it's a healthy constructive message to the rest of the team and then lastly this week before the Portland game we talked about just kind of the evolution of three-point shooting in the NBA uh, the play of a guy like Dame and Donovan taking eight a game, making 40% of them. You know, that generation of players hasn't even come into the game yet. Is this where we're heading uh, in the future of the league? There, there's a lot of factors at play. You know, I, I don't, some of it's, you know, is that what people want? Um, is that what young players are trained to do? I think the more, you know, the more teams that put multiple shooters on the floor. We, we felt like our numbers really high because in, in Portland it's the same if they're, you know, playing Nurkic or Canada, those guys aren't shooting threes. So they're just getting high volume from, you know, across the board if there's other four positions. And then you've got some teams like Dallas, for instance, if Porzingis is at the five, you know, or Minnesota with Towns at the five that are capable of generating, 
even more numbers with one more shooter on the floor. So um, obviously we've embraced it because it fits our team. Our team is built that way. Um, and that's the way that, you know, that we can play to be successful. Um, usually you see defenses adapt. I think we'll continue to see that where teams, you know, defensively are going to try to take it away. And, and uh, that's where, you know, for us, you know, we have to be even that much more committed to running. And I think what you see with Portland as well is there's more off the dribble threes in order to generate those numbers. Only time will tell. Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, all revolutionizing league. Donovan will be the fastest player to 2,000 three-point attempts in his career on Friday. Jazz of the Pacers Friday will not have a show for you tomorrow. Thanks very much for tuning in. Make sure you go grab Locked On NBA, Locked On Bets, Locked On Today, and subscribe on iTunes for the ultimate mock draft. We're... The average listener listens to five podcasts and eight episodes a week. We just give you all five and all eight episodes. Have a great one. See you.